This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, this is Bob Asman. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm really happy to have with me today, Anita Ciesios, who will be talking about her CX journey, her professional background. Welcome, Anita, and please introduce yourself to our guests. Thank you, Bob, and g'day. Um, so uh, my oh, I should have added that. <laughs> You're our first down under guest. So thank you, Anita, for saying g'day. That's wonderful. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure, Bob. And um, I keep saying to everyone I'm talking to in the US that 2022 is the year where I'll be having all my US and, and European CX guests come and visit me here in Melbourne. Um, yeah, so my name's Anita Ciasios and I'm located in Melbourne, Australia. Um, I'm, I'm the oldest of five children and, and come from a, a, a beautiful Greek heritage uh, background. My parents migrated to, from Greece to Australia in 1956, which I'll talk uh, more about uh, shortly. I'm a mother of two teenage uh, children and a mentor to many professionals across the globe who have a desire to be great CX leaders. I'm currently the Managing Director of Managing CX, which is a boutique company that I established in 2018 um, after having a 30-year career in the banking industry. And my passion and goal every day is to uplift the CX capability of individuals and organisations. I'm also um, passionate about the community and I'm the founder of two nonprofit associations, the CXPA Melbourne Network, which is where I've met you, Bob, and also the Women in Cybersecurity Affiliate, which I'll talk quite a bit about my involvement in the community. That's fantastic. And as I mentioned a moment ago, I'm really pleased that this podcast is beginning to expand beyond our borders and involving uh, global guests and uh, I, I certainly think we picked a great global guest to kick this off because your uh, involvement in customer experience, your customer experience practitioner and professional expertise is just uh, really, really wonderful. And um, so that's where I want us to start, Anita, is I say this to almost every one of our guests is generally speaking, we didn't wake up one day when we were younger and say, I want to be a CX professional. And so our guests love to hear about the career path. Excuse me, our listeners love to hear about the career path of our guests. So uh, Anita, take it away. Tell us how you got to where you are today. Yes, indeed. Uh, thank you. Before I do actually, uh, you know, start talking about career, a career, it's really important for me to talk about where where my passion for CX has actually come from. 
Um, so I grew up in small business. So I mentioned my parents, um, George and Helen, migrated to Australia in 1956 to start a new life. They um, started a new business and um, the business was that, that, you know, it was selling fish and chips at that time. Um, so um, I was the oldest of five children and being in a, coming from a Greek background, I was very um, responsible at a very, very early age. At the age of 10, my father said to me, okay, you're old enough now, you need to start working in the shop, you need to start serving the customers. And um, that was the beginning of me learning how to serve a customer. I learned how to uh, you know, calculate the cost with a pen and paper. I learned how to deal with customers who were unhappy with their orders. And so I also learned how important it was to actually build those relationships. One of the things my father said to me was, now when you walk down the street, you must remember to stop and greet every customer that comes into our shop and ask them how they are, how their family is. And that is what taught me um, the importance of relationships and building relationships because it was those customers who kept on coming back and helped um, uh, our small family business survive uh, until, until the big the big shopping centres came along and, and then we went through a bankruptcy process. So that period of my life was very significant and has made me who I actually am today. Um, That's so I, significant, Anita, that you share that story because it's those kind of, I think what I used to call significant emotional events that really drive us in our personal life and in our and then consequently in our professional life. So sharing that story as a way to kick us off is is really important and gives our listeners uh, a chance to understand uh, what makes Anita, Anita. Absolutely. Um, so the, I guess, you know, I went to, uh, to, to college. Um, I then started my career at the, uh, I keep saying that, that one of the wonderful ANZ Bank, because I spent 30 years of my career in that bank. And I'll, I'll take you through um, that journey, the different types of roles that I had. But the very first job that I had was actually working in the contact centre. And I remained in that contact centre for 10 years. And I reflect back and I think, why did I stay there for that long? Why would I stay in working in one contact centre for 10 years? And I think really, uh, when I think about the different types of um, accountability that I had throughout that contact centre period and the, and the change in technology, et cetera, that took place, it really taught me, first of all, the importance of um, the particular contact centre was actually supporting the business banking and institutional bankers, um, and supporting them in serving the commercial and corporate customers, which was, you know, significant customers for the bank, uh, significant demands for them. But being in a contact centre really helped me understand things such as how important it was to be able to resolve issues very quickly. It taught me how important it was to be able to actually identify you know root causes and and using certain tools which I still find today when I talk to a lot of people they still don't and you know don't go through the process of using you know the basic five whys as part of their root cause analysis which is an, a key tool that I teach people about 
the contact centre also taught me how important it was to be able to uh, lead a team um, and lead a team and empower them and help them grow um, as leaders. In addition to that, um, I also learned that, um, you know, banking was the core reason, you know, serving customers and their banking accounts was the core reason the bank existed, despite all the wonderful technology tools. At the end of the day, processes were so key to ensuring that the systems remain remained up and running. So some key things I learned during that 10 year period were around, you know, problem um, identification using root cause analysis tools, um, understanding the processes, the full end-to-end -end processes. And those basics are still some, some key things that all CX um, practitioners need to be excelling in and, and not override. Um, in 2000, or 1999, um, I transitioned into the technology division of the bank. Um, and that was a, I guess, another significant period of my life because I was responsible for going out to all the Victorian uh, business banking centres and being their, um, I guess, their support lead in helping them resolve any application problems, um, you know, any customer account type problems, etc. So I was the go-to person. And I was actually also responsible for what they called executive support. So I supported the executive executives with regards to helping them, um, you know, set up and use their laptops when they went out to customers, etc. That was my first interaction with senior leadership. So that was a, I guess, a very key learning for me in how to manage the, their expectations and manage those relationships. Um, Obviously, you know, the year 2000 in that particular role, I remember sitting there on New Year's Eve when the clock was just about to turn um, to 2000 and just, you know, you know, it's ready to, to change that date um, is another key, key uh, you know, time that I remember very well um, in, in that particular role. But that was the beginning of me starting to move into the program management and project management um, in the technology division of which I worked for in for 15 years. And in that period, uh, Bob, I worked on, I think it was over 30 or, or 40 programs across disciplines in the bank, uh, ranging from the branches. Um, and, you know, I remember when I set up their first 100 point check form uh, from a paper-based to electronic. And that was so exciting in being able to, you know, remove all the number of uh, forms that they kept back in the back office of the branch. Um, I, I worked on risk programs, um, audit programs right across um, the, the bank's um, divisions um, and implementing new technology programs for the employees to be able to, to, to provide that, that um, excellent customer experience that they actually needed. And I guess, you know, the key, the key learnings there for me uh, were the fact that I was able to see how the different areas of the bank you know, were able to provide that that service to the customer at the end, you know, starting from the branch and all the back office teams. But also I learned a lot around the uh, dependency that technology has in keeping the systems running. Um, you know, I remember there was a, a big implementation weekend um, that um, was 
went terribly wrong. It's probably several of them, but this particular one, I remember, you know, sleeping on the floor in the war room for three, three or so days <laughs> before we were trying to get through what the problems were. But hearing institutional customers saying that unable, they weren't able to pay their employees and all those technical types of problems I encountered at that time really gave me that deeper understanding around how, how much uh, the customers depended on the banks and how important it was to them. Um, but also I found and learned uh, through mistakes that employees had made um, in the back office, the developers and the coders, um, really as a result of them, and them not actually being educated and, and understanding what their job was and how they actually impacted that customer experience, how they actually provided value to the customer. Um, and I'll talk a little bit uh, about that because I think that's the key, key driver around some of the cultural programs I started to go into when I moved into the operations space. I just um, was making my, my notes Anita, because one thing that captured my attention in your discussion was the five whys. And I'm an educator. I teach at the university and graduate levels and in supply chain and operations. And I teach about the five whys. And I've not heard CX professionals talk about them. And it just made that connection for me when you were talking about the five whys of, of really understanding what the real problem is. And so uh, thanks for uh, uh, making that uh, uh, connection for me. That, that was really uh, inspiring for me that the five whys, somebody else is talking about the five whys uh, out there. Um, and, and your journey seems to be uh, so far a combination of, of challenges, but but significant learnings in, in formulating your philosophy around CX. Is that a, is that a fair yes. question? Statement? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bob. And, and I mentioned that, you know, that big weekend that, you know, where I spent, you know, remember, you know, sleeping on the, on the floor. I mean, a lot of uh, technical program managers would be able to resonate with that. Right. Um, that, that was a, you know, that was a, after a 15 years or so. And it was at that, I remember sitting in one of the, you know, Melbourne's, uh, tallest buildings and, and looking outside and I, you know I could see the the MCG which is the Melbourne cricket ground and, and where you know where we hold all our grand finals and cricket matches and the tennis center of course that you see um, every January um, where I I realized then I thought I I would actually I need to do something else and that was when I started to do some research and explore and I discovered you know, customer experience. And I was looking and I thought, oh, there's two customer experience managers at the bank. That was going back, you know, 15 years ago. Um, and that was, that's, that's me. I kept on reading it. Oh, that's me. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I love, you know, it's relationship customers and, and they kept on talking about that is absolutely me. And then I started to, started to do some research and I discovered the Customer Experience Professionals Association. Um, and then, you know, that's the beginning of that story of which, you know, I 
you know, sleep and eat the CXP on a daily basis. Um, and so that that to me was the, the key moment where I discovered this is what I actually want to want to do. Um, and so in parallel, um, I then started to think about, you know, the organization that I was in was, you know, was huge, it was so much opportunity. And I've reflected back, starting off in the contact center, moving into the technology division, I thought I now need to get deeper into understanding the business in this organization. So I moved into a business um, program manager role where I really got to understand the actual global transaction banking um, business. And that is where I really got to work with, um, with China and some of the APAC countries and really got to learn around regulatory requirements and what that meant for the bank. And that, that was a really great learning for me. After a year or so, I then moved on to, um, to a, a new area that was created in the bank in the operations, group operations area. Um, there was about 6,000 or so uh, employees across uh, China, Manila, uh, Fiji, New Zealand and Australia and India. Um, 6,000 or so. And so I had a new role and it was, they called it, you know, the senior business partner for Asia Pacific. And the goal of that department was to transform the whole of the operations area to become more customer centric. And the way they were going to do that was to actually implement what they called operational excellence standards. And those standards, Bob, you will resonate very much, uh, were, were leveraged a lot of the lean Six Sigma tools to help those operational leaders, you know, conduct the root cause analysis to do the five whys to be able to create an A3 and work through identifying, you know, customer pain points, etc. The whole transformation program it was like a mini MBA, I call it, mm. from an and, and a gentleman by the name of Nigel Adams was the leader behind that. That to me was extraordinary from the perspective of understanding the cultural differences and the challenges in trying to actually transform an organization that has most of their you know 6,000 or so employees overseas. All of my 40 or so champions that were um, allocated to me, I didn't have a choice, they were allocated to me, who <laughs> thankfully, um, we all became family and best friends at the end. Um, they, I had to lead all of those relationships and those teams into implement this virtually. Um, and so, you know, at the time, there was no budget to travel. So what that meant was I had to learn to lead teams and create relationships virtually over the phone um, and using the teleconference. And when we talk today, you know, in the last year, I think everyone has really, you know, that's just the way of life now. But back then in 2016, it wasn't so much. Um, and I guess that's that to me really highlighted my strengths to myself that I, I'm a, a, you know, a people leader. I love building relationships and I love helping people grow to to be able to learn the skills they need to, to create great customer experiences. So I might just pause there for a moment to see if you have any questions around the, the different countries and the cultures. Well, I think the whole concept of culture is so important in CX. And in my experience in managing global operations, that was key. And 
being able to create a culture. We used to call it um, um, think global, act local, so that we respected the, the local culture while tying everybody together to the overall uh, corporation's culture. So I'm wondering if that's something that you attempted to do as well as you look to create this unifying culture across this many staff across all these countries? Yes, we did try all that. I think at that time, I believe it may have been more um, secondary from, from a, 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 a cultural perspective that we were very much focused at the time around build, building the capability across mm. all of those teams. And I think that um, what we did learn was that every culture uh, the pace had a different pace. Every country mm -hmm. had a different pace in how they would be able to adopt the change, which I think was something that we underestimated. Um, obviously, those countries or those operation centres that had more people were able to get more things done, and I'll give a specific example shortly. But that uh, underestimation, you know, when I compare um, uh, our colleagues in India as compared to Fiji, the pace was very different. Um, and so not having a, an early appreciation of that was um, a risk that should have been highlighted up front, but we learned. I learned as a leader at a later stage in how to manage um, that particular team. Um, but just going back to the skills of these particular leaders and the capabilities that we tried to um, implement or transform. We, we had uh, over 40 or so uh, standards developed. There were eight key competencies. And initially we tried to implement, there were competencies around, you know, customer centricity. There were competencies around continuous improvement, risk, audit, technology. Um, and they were very much um, driven by the APQC uh, model, which is the quality um, standards. But we learned that we couldn't um, really achieve everything we wanted to without it uh, not becoming a tick in the box. So leaders were saying, yes, I've done that, I've done that, it was becoming a tick of the box and it wasn't proving to be very effective. Um, and so we decided to focus on two key areas. One of them, which I guess was the most impactful for me was what we called the continuous improvement discipline and that's where we started to really uplift the capability of leaders around the types of tools they needed to be able to, to develop that continuous improvement culture and mindset in the organization we taught them how to actually go and identify the the identify the complaints and gather all that in voc data we taught them how to actually identify key pain points you know how to prioritize them we then taught them how to do that root cause analysis and then taught them you know but by using a simple a3 the a3 template um, and and leveraging that uh, process we saw you know over 3,000 or so continuous improvement ideas that were um, identified by um, operational leaders and we also then uh, decided oh, we're obviously going to need a portal 
for all of these leaders to go in and input those um, continuous improvement ideas. And that was another key, a great learning, and I keep telling people about, is that a, um, a, you know, a portal that was called Bright Ideas was created, was accessible to the whole of the bank. Um, and people were able to go in and put their ideas. They were able to justify why they thought it was a good idea, uh, show the root cause analysis they had done. And it was visible to everybody. And it was transparent and visible to everyone in the organization. And it was also able to, um, I guess, recruit people that wanted to be part of that. They were able to volunteer if they wanted to be part of a customer continuous improvement program. That was extremely successful. And I'm very, very proud of that. Um, at the same time, just going back to the different countries, um, you know, I mentioned uh, Manila and, and Fiji, but then of course we had our center in, in China, who I found was so interesting to see the differences around the way that they operate and the, their culture and me having an appreciation of how they actually work. For me, that was very transformational in uplifting my leadership skills. Mm. Um, I remember having a conversation with one of the general managers whom I was trying to, in India, whom I was trying to um, influence or convince her to um, provide me, you know, to send over 300 leaders to take them off their day jobs and send them on to training um, twice a week for three months. I remember her saying to me, and it was a key learning for me at that time, Anita, you've come to me to tell me that you want to take these leaders that are, you know, supporting our customers onto a training program uh, for three months, but you haven't explicitly stated to me what that return on investment is going to be. You haven't explained to me what it is that I'm going to see once these leaders actually can complete this training. And that was a very big learning for me, coming back to that return on investment and the ability to articulate the return on investment and the benefits, not just financial, but also non-financial as well. I keep thinking about the, the great dashboard that Lynn Hunsaker has taught me over the last 10 years or so, you know, starting off with from a strategic perspective, but also talking to leaders about capability and other components that that form that return on investment, the non-financial ones. That was a key learning for me. And I'll never forget that ever since that day, I would never go into a meeting without having that information in my back pocket and really articulating. So I think I've become really great at that in, in you know, the, the benefits plan and articulating that. Um, so that, that to me, that two year period in the operations center was absolutely significant um, from that learning perspective. And again, my leadership skills kept on evolving and growing as I started to move globally um, and, and liaise with other countries. Well, I'm sure our listeners are learning a lot as well from your learnings, because I know having these kinds of conversations always instills that aha moment in terms of another person's experiences, and you can relate to those experiences and learn from them. Listeners, as a reminder, you're listening to Anita Ciesios coming to us from down under uh, in Melbourne, Australia, talking to us about her career path. And Anita, I want us to um, complete that career path discussion, but also leave a few minutes for us to talk about what's happening in your life today. So take us on that final part of your journey and then into 
what's happening with Anita today? Because as you mentioned in your introduction, there's a whole lot happening too today. Indeed, indeed. I, I can't remember if I mentioned it's only three degrees here in Melbourne, so it's very, very cold. Um, but um, you didn't mention that out to our <laughs> listeners, so I hope they can relate that if you're in the U.S., it's summertime. If you're down under, it's wintertime. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I, I just quickly wanted to also mention that um, at that time, um, you know, during the operations, I, I, I really sort of started to see and observe that there was a lack of understanding in the back office when I refer to back office you know technology teams a lack of understanding of, of customers and who they are and you know as always there's always things that I would be doing in addition to my job you know there's all of those things that I'm doing on the side and as in parallel I was you know starting to work towards getting my CCXP I I, I wanted to start to change the culture around customer understanding. And I started to spend quite a bit of time working with the customer complaints team at that time. And we, we, we worked on some initiatives where we developed stories. We, we, we were able to, at the, I mean, these days we need to take into consideration the privacy, but we were able to take um, recordings and work through and develop a story by using those recordings and simulating what the operators were doing. Um, and what we did was we, we um, actually ran customer understanding sessions. And, and I talk about this because I say to a lot of the CX leaders is that if you, if you want to be a great CX leader, there are certain skills that are required. And I keep referring to this around earned authority, which is uh, something that I you know, learned from the Bingham Authority model. And that is that in order for you to be able to make an impactful change, as we know, you do need to have that leadership support, but not everyone is in a role that has access to that leadership level, that they may be five or six managers away from it. But And how does a CX manager actually do that? I was in a very similar position, but the way that I approached it was I earned my position to be able to have a conversation with the chief customer officer. And I did that by actually spending time with the complaints team, spending time with the leaders of those teams and sitting, you know, I remember once a week, I used to go and sit in the contact center to further understand things. I was running, voluntarily running events like on CX day, et cetera. So I made myself, I represented myself as a CX leader in the organization. And that was voluntary. That was in addition to my program management role that I was undertaking. Um, and I ran that first, um, you know, a storytelling session to, I remember doing it to the technology team, but the way that I got into that, Bob, um, and this is what I also call courageous uh, leadership as well, is I remember in, in the new chief information officer, he just started a new role and I saw him walking in the corridor and I thought, oh, oh, that's our new chief information officer. I must go and um, say good morning to him. So I went up to him, Bob, and I said, good morning, Jim. Uh, my name's Anita Siasios and I've been here for 30 years. Welcome uh, to our bank. Uh, please let me know if there's anything that, that I can um, help you with. 
and I said, also, would you like to come to a customer understanding storytelling session? And he said to me, oh, Anita, you've just used my favorite words. Of course, I would love to. So, of course, you know, it took three months to get in his calendar, but that was the beginning of another six or seven of these sessions that were being run in the bank. Um, and, and the reason I tell that story is that sometimes it does take Oh, there's an, that was an opportunity, but it does take some level of having that confidence and the courageous leadership to be able to have those conversations with leaders. Very quickly, um, after after 30 or so years, I um, decided to, to leave the corporate world and, and went into, at the time, what I call freelancing, and I established manage, managing CX. During that period, um, I was very fortunate and in, was invited by quite a few companies in Saudi Arabia to go and help them uplift their CX capability. And I also did quite a few, um, I guess, assignments in some of the local government and also the water utilities um, in Australia. But one of the greatest things I really learned in that sort of one or so year that I called my freelancing year was I spent three months doing a literature review on the Royal Commission into banking, which we could talk a little bit about later. But that to me was um, a real insight into um, cultural challenges within organisations um, and also just the amount of um, impact uh, the banks' processes and the way they did things and the culture actually impacted the customers and, and the, the effects it actually had to them. Um, and so now, what am I actually doing now? I'm actually still continuing to work on lots of different assignments. I, I love um, learning new things and um, uh, before the pandemic, the year before the pandemic in 2019 and early 2020, I worked on a program where I um, had to establish a center of excellence relating to privacy um, and is actually establishing processes to ensure, you know, there's a there's a better uh, customer experience around that. But that's when I started my journey in understanding privacy and the impact it could actually have, data breaches could actually have. That's when I started my journey in learning about cybersecurity. And hence, I ended up as part of that research and learning journey. As you do, you join an association. And that's when I established the Women in Cybersecurity Affiliate, which has now been running for a year or so. Um, so that's pretty much a summary. It, it is a lot um, around that. And, and of course, there's a lot of learnings that come out of my passion in helping communities um, as well. And in the meantime, all of that, of course, um, I've been, I went back as a mature age student uh, to study um, at university. And um, that is probably one of my weaknesses in, in enrolling in so many courses that I, I can't really sleep much because I've got so much work to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to remind our, <laughs> our listeners that there's still 24 hours in a day, whether you're in Melbourne or, or in the US. So um, uh, I don't know how you're fitting this all in. And, um, uh, you know, <clears throat> our listeners, you can tell Anita is a visionary because when she just talked about women in cybersecurity. I mean, think about how important that field is right now and all of the issues we're seeing with cybersecurity. So uh, Anita's uh, vision for the future remains strong, be it in CX or cybersecurity. So um, Anita, in our remaining moments uh, and 
wow, have there been a ton of nuggets in, in what you've been sharing with our listeners so far, but give us a little perspective on your philosophy. Where do you think the profession is headed? And then I'll ask the same question I ask all of our guests uh, towards the end of our uh, remaining moments. Yeah, I think, um, and that's a really great question, Bob. And it's a question that obviously is evolving as our, our the CX profession is actually evolving itself. And um, when I talk to um, leaders nearly every day, um, what I'm seeing, the strategic plans, uh, one of the things I forgot to mention is that I love reading annual review reports. Um, it's, I love it. I think I probably read about three or four a week. Um, in fact, I recommend that um, everyone goes and reads um, the um, Amazon uh, report and your report to investors. There's a, there's a wonderful letter by, um, you know, by Je Jeff Bezos as it's his final year. So I strongly recommend everyone goes and reads that. Um, but the profession itself is evolving um, from the perspective of obviously that the pandemic has obviously changed things, but transformation programs, obviously large organizations are trying to move to digital. Um, and there's a lot of problems taking, uh, programs taking place there. So practitioners themselves um, obviously need to have a greater understanding around, and I keep referring to this peripheral vision, uh, peripheral vision from a perspective of having greater relationships and networks within the technology teams and the data and insights team in your organization. The way that data is being collected is going to, is evolving, it's totally changing, the speed of it becoming available. So the skills is not just about building that voice of customer strategy or, uh, you know, doing the, the, the metrics planning etc it's actually looking at things holistically and what other things could actually impact the CX and and you know data breaches was a key learning for me um, in, in in previous programs I actually also think that um, the the role is evolving in that there's a lot of leadership influencing skills actually required so when we refer to CX manager that just such a generic term but CX, great CX leaders need to actually have those additional leadership skills. The ability to influence is so key. We know that the adoption and accountability key competency is one of the high priority ones that leaders come to me and say, that is the most I need help with, Anita. I need help in actually understanding what all the cross-discipline teams are and how do I actually go and talk to legal? How do I go and talk to the risk team? What am I going to tell them? How do I interpret these, these customer pain points and the analysis I've done so that the finance person can actually understand it and skills around being able to calculate the customer lifetime value and the return on investment. They, they are just some simple skills that a lot of the leaders have not had exposure to um, and need to have that holistic view. I think also that's, but that's where I think it's actually going um, and having that global mindset. I mean, that's, that's so important, right, to have that. It's really interesting to hear what leaders are talking to you about. I, I think that's fascinating, Anita, what you're hearing from them. Uh, and of course, I, I love the idea of reading the, the annual reports. I, I Honestly, I, I may read them for the companies I'm invested in, but I don't think about reading them for others. So I love that 
tidbit as well that you shared with our listeners? Well, I think it's very fascinating if, if people have time. So one of the things that I've been researching, Bob, is I'm researching what is actually the impact to all the wonderful retail department stores. I've been looking at the Australian ones like David Jones and Myers as a result of the pandemic, they have significantly been impacted. And I'm reading through their reports and it's telling the story of what, how they've been impacted. You know, you, I get very emotional, I get teary because I think, my gosh, it's very, it makes me very sad. But that is highlighting people still, the, the, the feedback they're getting from those, the, the retail stores is that the people still, we're human. We still, the digital is great it's it's efficient for us but people still want to go out they want to go into a wonderful department so that makes them feel good they still want that interaction and i think that the cx side of things will be focusing very much around staging those experience and and, and bless Joe Pine, you know, their experience economy. He talks a lot about that. So I think there's a lot of things that we're learning um, and, and trying to transition to. No question, no question about it. Anita, I'm gonna ask you uh, two final questions and I'll ask them together and, and let you um, uh, respond to them. The first is, in terms of today and what you're working on, uh, talk to our listeners a little bit about some of the most immediate things you you think need to happen. And you started to touch on them when you talked about the department stores and so forth. But as you're consulting, as you're reaching out, as you're as you're working on these different things, is there anything that kind of comes to the surface that immediately you think that you know, really needs to be an area of focus for you and, and for your for your clients. And then the second part of the question is, what advice do you have for CX professionals? And I'll leave it open-ended. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think, um, not I think, I know. So for, for me, you're right, you know, having an understanding, reflecting back and, and looking at what's, uh, what's happening is really important. But I think that um, for leaders, the, you know, keep referring to the, the peripheral vision. They, they need to start looking outside their little square and have a, a, a better understanding around the, ec, the whole of the ecosystem. Environmentally, you know, what are the things that could actually go wrong and actually impact us? But the key pieces of work that I'm uh, recommending and con consulting on at the moment is I'm asking leaders to just stop for a moment and go back and review their strategies that they had developed prior to the pandemic and just do a, a refresh around what is it, you know, what are the customers actually feeling and doing now? Do they have a baseline after the pandemic on what their customers are actually thinking and doing? Because the strategies that they had in the, you know, the last few years may no longer be valid because of all of the behaviors that have actually changed. So that is a number one thing that as a leader, as a, if I was going into an organization, I was being asked to lead CX, the very first thing I would actually do is tell me what our customers are actually saying today, or I'd like to go and talk to the customers and do some interviews and do that research. And let's see what that, how that compares to what our strategy was. No doubt most of them have had to go back and revisit and change their strategies 
um, certain, for example, I know a government agency has tried to roll out a new app that totally flopped for, for several reasons. But that is the number one thing that I would actually be doing is take stock, do a stock take. What is it that you customers know now or providing you the feedback on? And how does your strategy that you had developed actually align to that? No doubt there will be some discrepancy that needs to be revisited um, and revisited through, through co-design and, and involving your customers. And I guess, you know, um, I, I like to always share favorite quotes. And, and one of my favorite quotes is, from the great Peter Drucker, you know, I, he, he had a quote where he said, the best way to predict your future is to create it. And I use, and I say that to people is that, you know, to, to be impactful and make a change, if you want the future to look like something, you have got to actually take the leadership and start to create it. And that actually means probably a lot of grit a lot of hard work, you know, a lot of reading and research. And I keep saying to people, it's seven days a week. If you really want to be impactful, um, that that is that's the way that I operate and that's what's really that's what drives me as well. And I did, Bob, if it's okay, the last thing I did want to mention is that I am actually you know, writing a book this year and um, I'm hoping to launch it towards the end of the year. But my book is very much going to be around what I've learned um, and how um, leaders can trans transition into a CX career, which is exactly what I've actually been doing throughout my career. But one of the great things about my book is that all the proceeds will be will be going to an Indigenous women's community. Um, and that is, again, another passion that I've been working towards the end that is helping, I guess, those underserved out there and supporting them and helping grow um, as leaders themselves. Anita, what a wonderful uh, way to wrap up our podcast today. And thank you so much for your passion, for sharing from your heart. Uh, listeners, I don't know if you've been keeping track, but uh, Anita is advancing her education. She's consulting with clients. She's reading and educating herself on uh, developments within CX. She's establishing women in cybersecurity. She's writing a book. And, and there's a few things she didn't uh, answer uh, or have time to talk about during our podcast today. So uh, she is one busy individual and her willingness to come on the podcast. And I, I think we could talk another hour. And Anita, you can come back when your book is released because we have to talk about the book. But listeners, uh, you've been listening to All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman. My guest today has been Anita Ciesios, who has just uh, been a wonderful CX professional for many years and now shares her nuggets and insight with all of our listeners. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your network and stay tuned for future podcasts, All Things Considered CX, brought to you by Innovative CX Solutions and CXMM Radio Network. Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.